Hello everyone, Zach here from the Carnival of Randomness on behalf of our sponsor, Opsitnik & Associates. In these unprecedented times, we reflect on our future, both in the next few weeks and months, but also the upcoming years and decades. And it's time to prepare for that future. Opsitnik & Associates has been contacted by many healthcare workers, as well as old and new clients, to prepare wills, powers of attorney, and advanced directives, also called a living will. All of you need these documents. So don't say you don't have any assets to speak of, no children or other dependents. Regardless of the circumstances now, you will need a will for today and tomorrow. Al Upsitnik feels so strongly about having wills and other needed documents prepared that Upsitnik and Associates can prepare your will, power of attorney, and living will at no charge, you heard that correct, no charge until the end of 2020. No hidden fees or gimmicks. Al feels so strongly about planning for the future at this time that he is willing to assist you with your future. Trust Opsitnik & Associates, attorneys for 42 years, from the Supreme Court to Alaska and everywhere in between. You can find them online, OpsitniksLaw.com, on Facebook, Opsitnik & Associates, or call them toll-free, 1-866-391-3299 to prepare for your future. Hi, everybody. I'm still your incidental host on Carnival of Randomness, Rob. And Greg finally got out of the dumpster the wrestler tossed him in, so he's here. Hi. <laughs> and we have Ken here. Good morning. Or what, yeah, we hear these in the morning. Well, you're so half fine. right. It's morning. Yeah. <laughs> but a history, a history lesson for you all and all you younger people. Okay, you're not going to believe this, but the, in the time of the pyramids, we used to have, believe it or not, maybe three to five TV channels. Really? I mean, you did the little, ask your parents what rabbit ears were. You could get Syracuse at Buffalo. But we had a little gem floating out there, and I'll always call it 21. It was XXI Public Broadcasting. And what they brought in was a myriad of great programming, and you just watch the local stuff, you know, whatever, sitcom, everything on, and go, oh, this is a drag. Then you get Nova, get Doctor Who get Monty Python, everything else. And we're very lucky to have somebody who's been involved with this for, she'll tell us how long, and host a show on 91.5, a classical music show. Uh, hi, Julia Figueres. Hey there. Hi, right, can you just say a little about yourself for the fans out in podcast land? Uh, <laughs> well, music director and midday host of the classical station, Classical 91.5. Um, but I, I didn't start there. I started yep. playing punk rock, I mean hardcore Butthole Surfers, Punk Rock. Yes. 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 Nice. Yeah. That's where I started. And and then that turned into jazz, and that turned into classical. And... Forget that Tchaikovsky stuff. Well, yeah. That's a natural progression. <laughs> exactly. You can't be a punk forever. That's right. Or maybe you can. I don't know. You right? always you tell me. That's what music does. <laughs> you can be a classical you punk. You start one place in music, you end up, it's like following the yellow brick road, where you just keep going and finding different things. And different things. Yeah, yeah. I got to tell you, it's very funny because yesterday, um, I was going through the, the hidden messages on Facebook. You know, sometimes when somebody sends you a message on Facebook and they're not a friend of yours in Messenger, that gets hidden in a second layer. And I somehow stumbled upon the second layer, and there was a message from a guy named Chad. Chad used to listen to me when I was playing modern rock at WKXL in Concord, New Hampshire. Wow. And he used to call me on the phone and, you know, make all these requests. And I always honored his requests and we would talk a lot. And here it is like, you know, umpty ump years later. And um, I feel ancient now. 
Like he said, yeah, well, I got divorced after 22 years. Man, this guy was like a kid, basically. Been, when it was a moment wow. at the Bugs Yard. It was a moment at the Bugs Yard a few years ago, and it was Maybird was playing. And I'm talking to Michaela Davis. I'm talking to Sam Snyder, some people. And I started using the term, back in my day. <laughs> and I started feeling really old. Because I was here the night this opened, and you were... Uh, you weren't born yet. Because <laughs> I remember my friends lived on Priam Street. And we'd go out and remember, well, Rosie's was the bar there. It turned into the Bug Jar. And at the beginning, the Bug Jar was a dance club. We went there the first night. One of my friends goes in, comes out. You have to see this. You have to see this. And it was all the stuff on the ceiling. And I'm thinking, I'm hanging out with people who were like three or weren't even like minus two. When this place opened, I'm doing back in my days. We had idols. We used to go. That was the punk club right. idols. Uh, what was idols? Is that the singer that sung White Wedding? <laughs> no. yeah, like, yeah, right. Well, you know, but Michaela, I knew when she was in high school, and she was in the Rochester Philharmonic Youth Orchestra with our daughter, who got married in our backyard on the sixth of September. So, you know, I've got this whole like. Oh, God, I'm old feeling these days. I'm getting that more and more. We can't think that way. But one thing I wanted to talk about in terms of music is I think there are artists out there that speak to us in a language we only understand. When you find somebody, it's like this is one of your artists. You relate to them. You can feel like that. And I get this from your love of Bruce Springsteen. Uh, You always go on about Bruce. Are you mean me who's wearing the Springsteen on Broadway sweatshirt? (laughs) That had to be fantastic. It, how was it? I'm sure it was. It was amazing. It was incredible. And I, I remember um, because you, you got um, an invitation to buy a ticket. You didn't get... They, they you didn't have to rip open candy bars and yeah, get a golden no. ticket. <laughs> but they send you a link. And um, I remember we got up in the morning. It was the day that the links were first sent out. And um, I said to my husband, Peter, did you get one? Because we both signed up. He said nothing. I heard ding on my phone. And I went, oh, and I got the link, and I went in, and um, just because you got the link didn't mean you were going to actually get a ticket. And it was, um, so So I, I picked the date. We were very canny about it. We decided we'd go early in the run when there was no snow, and, you know, getting around New York would be more pleasant. So as it turned out, we were on went Critics' Night. Um, oh, wow. So we weren't even, we didn't even see opening night. We were there the night before it actually officially opened. But I got the link, and I remember I was sitting at my computer at work, and the thing was just turning and turning and turning and turning, and there's only 175 seats in the house. And I'm looking at my chances of ever seeing Springsteen on Broadway go away, because if I don't get in the first hit, then I'm never going to get in. And up pop. Two tickets at $400 a piece. And I remember looking at this, I know, and looking at this, because we were hoping for like 175 and thinking, you know, they give you five minutes. With one minute and 34 seconds left on my timer, I said, you know what? We will never get this back Screw again. It, right? <laughs> back in the day, again, I used the term, I remember going, I would go tell my mom, Mom, this band's coming to the War Memorial. It'll always be the War Memorial to me go get tickets for us to go down to record theater. I remember when some band, I don't remember, they were charged seventeen fifty, and we were debating, what a bunch of crooks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and I did, I, you know, and I, I hit the go button. And uh, it wasn't until three hours later that I actually looked to see where the tickets were. 
I didn't even know where our seats were for like three hours. And it turned out they were unbelievably good seats. We were like fifth row center balcony and the balcony extended deep. So we were really almost on top of the yeah, stage. My buddy Moondog nice. Dave and I, we stayed at the Royalton right on 42nd. We went down to the Beacon Theater to see Jason Isbell. We did it in January. Yeah, so good. it worked out amazing. Go down, see Jason. And I've seen Jason around 10 times now. He's a fantastic I'd songwriter. And we were going to go see him this year with Trey Anastasia. With, uh, oh. see, uh, that was one of my ticket refunds, which is, Forget you know, first when Nick Cave, actually, I would have been going to see this week in Philly. But first world problems, you know, we have to do what we can do. But we ended up driving back. You know, you get into New York. We parked the car. Not going to drive till we go out. On the way home, we had the mega blizzard. They rooted us through Ithaca. And I always remember it for two things. They had a Winnie the Pooh and a marijuana field thing where they were going to start up. And then somebody <laughs> made a, an ice statue of Richard Nixon. Winnie the Pooh and, and marijuana. And we just got to a snow, f- because I guess they were going to do for the marijuana. They But Winnie the Pooh and the marijuana field. But it was quite the trip and quite fun. But that's like, I used to love road trips for concerts like that. But Well, you know what we do? We've, we've got it down to a science now. Where we drive to Albany, and we go to the train station. We leave the car in the train station, right. and we take the train down. And then we'll we'll get um, we get like an Airbnb or a hotel and and stay. But next time we we had this whole thing we were going to do. There's um, a lottery that the, you could do for Broadway shows, and you don't know what you're going to get. You just sign up, and they give you parameters so you can say mm-hmm. you know no i don't want a rom-com yes i want a musical that sort of thing and they tell you the day of the show which show you're going to see and then there's something called hotel tonight where you just book when you get there so we were going to do a mystery day where we were just going to get on the train just go exactly yeah. exactly ken and just get on the train right and someplace between albany and new york we would book a hotel and hotel tonight and someplace between Albany and New York. We'd find out what show we were going to see. So it was just going to be like this. See, see what happens. Yes, yeah. my mystery. Dude. I'll do the two <laughs> ticket frenzies I know of. Everybody knows the one ticket frenzy. And I was entering the lottery to try to get my friend Jen tickets. She wanted to go to bed. Hamilton here. Yeah. That was quite the ticket frenzy. Wow. And also the other one was when Paul McCartney played Buffalo. And I remember one of my friends got a ticket for $25 behind a pole. And he was thrilled. <laughs> you know, some of these, <clears throat> my wife had come up, oh, you know, McCartney's going to be doing Toronto, and we're going to go, and blah, 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 and it's, how much are tickets? And, you know, $400 or whatever, some outrageous. Yeah. Right? Basically, how much are tickets? Uh, we don't need the car. We can sell it, can't we? Well, I saw yeah, him in Syracuse. You yeah. know, and then you stop and think, and I've seen some of the shows because he's on so much now. I don't know if he's oversaturated his own self, but... You know, do I want to go see that at 70, whatever it is he is today, or do, do I want to remember what it was, you know, the beauty of him? Well, one of them, for me, that's, a that's, big... A, that's a really good point. You and know? I have opted, no, it's not because I'm cheap, but, but I would rather, he's not really good anymore. No, that's the thing, the you have to be honest. There are some bands, I remember seeing some bands where I've said, I'm going to stop now because... I want to remember them like this. But one of the big ones for me from my dad was Yitzhak Perlman. He came here. And what I did literally, I went, you know, 10 o'clock, I went on. I got seats in the balcony. Tickets sold out in 20 minutes. And people ask me, what was your one of your best shows? 
Yitzhak Perlman was just so oh, yeah, he's absolutely. Excellent. You know, and, 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 and I'm glad you got to see because he can still play. But if you notice, every time he plays now, he plays more simply than he was before. So there's going to be no more big Beethoven piano. Uh, no, he played. Concertos. He played themes from me, movies themes, this themes time. Movies and what he did was yeah. he reminded me like he was one, like being a Victor Borg or wannabe because he kept making jokes and everything. <laughs> but he's just so good. But I mean, I would have liked in terms of because I do love classical music. But I'm not going to complain. He wants to do that. The audience did oh, it. Sure. And you're raising your hand in the back. Yeah, I, I, I would pay four hundred dollars to see Victor Borg. Oh, uh, well, not now, I don't think. <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, if it was... You know what I'm playing? Yeah. You know what I'm playing? It's called the piano. <laughs> was, I mean, the punctuation. He was just bit, and again, just XXI, where did I see his concerts? XXI. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, 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 um, but, you know, the Springsteen on Broadway thing, because of the setting and the way it was done, and this was a one-off, essentially. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and ironically, six months later... Um, my husband got the ding on his on his thing. We did not go, but we went down and met a friend, my friend Dave Beyer, who is a math professor at um, Barnard College and was the uh, math consultant for A Beautiful Mind. Oh, wow. And he was cool. also uh, Russell Crowe's hand double. So when you see the movie and you see all the writing on the of the math, that's Dave Byer. Cool. And, I read John Nash, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and it was, and I, I came home from college. I was at Bard. He was at, at Swarthmore, and he said, "You've got to hear this guy. You've got to hear this guy. He's so good. He's going to play our Spring Fling this year." And he played me back to back greetings, and then um, Wild Innocent E Street Shuffle, and I went insane. It was like my eyes opened. I went straight to Strawberries. I bought both of those albums and was a Springsteen fan forever. And the the wild part about this was Dave met us for dinner before the show. Dave didn't get a ticket. And he didn't get to see Springsteen on Broadway until almost exactly one year after we saw him. He finally <laughs> got his ticket. And I was Jeez. feeling kind of guilty because this was the guy who started me on the Bruce Road. This you know? is funny, too. This is some Bruce trivia in terms of Bruce and Rochester. And I was always the big MJQ CMF fan in the 70s. My parents would let me stay up on Sunday nights to listen to Dr. Demento, Rockline, all the shows. Bruce did not sell well in Rochester. It was the river. It was the river. That was his first tour when he came to Rock when he really sold well. Otherwise, I guess it was one of those things where he just didn't. Because he was more sort of regional. And I guess him and Rob, Bob Seeger had an agreement where they stuck to their regions at the time. But he did not sell that well here. No, he did not. People were walking up huh. while he was on stage. And the irony is, see, I was at Brandeis at that point. So I was in Boston where he was huge. And every time he played in Rochester, I was in Boston. And every time he played in Boston, I was in Rochester. <laughs> so this massive fan of Springsteen. I mean, I based an entire character on Springsteen in, in my acting class. I did. I just, I just loved him to pieces, and I did not get to see him until the River Tour. Wow! And it was in Boston. Two different people took pity on me, and each had separately got me a single ticket. So I have an unripped Springsteen River oh, ticket at home. Nice. And it was the first time I ever got to see him, and I will always remember it. Because we came out, it was very close to Christmas, and it was the first snowfall of the year as we walked out the door. Wow. Those big, fat, fluffy flakes, flakes yeah. right after he played Santa Claus is Coming to Town. And it was all so magical. Right. Right. You can hear it's the jingle bells going yeah. on in the background. <laughs> <It's true. laughs> and then it comes around where he played the full River album 
album in Rochester a few years ago. Didn't he? he, he did he do that? He, did he do the River Tour in Rochester? He did it because one of my friends went to it, showed me pictures, so he did it here. Yeah, I. Oh, that's right, he did. I was at some. <laughs> yeah, I, I think was I was at too. Abilene or something that night. Some local. Yeah, school. that's right, he did. We and then um, Scott Feibush, you mm-hmm. we know Scott, mm-hmm. and Scott and I did a road trip to Buffalo, where it was the first and the only time <clears throat> that he did uh, greetings from Asbury Park. And it would turn out to be the last concert, pub, big concert, that Clarence would play. Oh, and, oh. And, and it was weird because the intros came at some point and Scott and I broke down. And we were just sobbing in our seats because we knew it. We could feel it. Sure. Yeah, this was it. Clarence wasn't coming back after that. And he no. didn't. No. He did. I think they played a private gig down in New Jersey, and that was the end of that. Well, for me, uh, one of the ones was Tom Waits. I've always, oh. and I fell in love with him. The thing that happened to me is I lived in Alexandria for most of the 90s, and I worked I was in D.C. for school. Actually, I was in school here like around 94, 95, then I moved to Alexandria. And I came back to visit a lot, and Tom Waits played at the auditorium or somewhere. And I remember hearing this, the tickets were 75 bucks. And at that time, wow, that I would have, I would have sold my soul. You remember but the year? I blank. Really? But so what I did was, so I knew he was staying at the Strathallen and I knew I couldn't get tickets. Whatever. So I went looking for him. Yeah. I went looking. Yeah. Yes, I did stalker him. I figured he liked to drink because I knew he liked to drink wine. And I'd love to tell the story while I saw him at the bar and we hung out. But I think it's the same story against the Pogues. When he was in Ireland, they went looking for him. And it turned out the great party man, the great drinker, he went to bed at 9 o'clock. Yeah. <laughs> we have never seen Tom Waits. And he's never. He's totally I would... on the bucket list. And, you know, I, I, you are a big jazz fan. You know, you go to the jazz, to, to the... Festival, et cetera. They're, they're, they're Not, this right? Not this year. Not this year, but, you know, I always see you there. And this is the one guy I wish would play the jazz fest, but he won't play festivals. Huh. I'm sure he's closest, been offered uh, time the, and time The again. closest I've had, I saw, I was really blessed in terms of, this is, again, how Rochester is a very cultural city. A lot of people don't get that who don't live here. That, for me, it was an honor to see Mose Allison live here. Oh, man, was and, he awesome or what? And the thing about me was I got down there really early because, and there's a huge line, people cut in line so literally, they numbered you off. They numbered you off. They said, you're fine. You're going to get in. It turned out I barely got in. I could have a seat. He comes out, purple pants, sneakers, one of those claw hammer, starts playing. It's just, I was just, this is somebody I've loved for years. Just to see He's him. Great. Yeah. My miss for the jazz festival, and I don't have a lot of regrets, but this was one, was Dr. John. And I was yeah. deeply sorry that we did not get to see Dr. John when he played. Yes, I go back to his very first album, uh, Dr. John. Uh, the well, you should know from Nana's <laughs> willpower, too, like yeah. Dr. Right. John. Yep. Yeah, Don's well, for me, too, another one was Booker T and the MGs. Did you see them? They were there. Greg Townsend told me we went down, they played a free gig. Were they, were they great? They were great, and it was before, I think Duck Dunn passed away, like, about a year or so later. Oh, yeah. And everything that was, but for in terms of Tom Waits, the closest I've come, Marissa Mulder did a, a set of his, her songs at Love and Cup, and I remember going down there. Tom Cohen told me they had to drive home to Canadagua, take her to Canadagua. It turned into one of those "Where's the Road" nights because yeah. <laughs> yeah. it can get down, especially around there. And 
got home, but she, you know, I think it takes a lot of guts, obviously, too, to do that and do it well. Yeah. You know, I, I was never a big Tom Waits fan until I got involved with those tribute shows for his birthday thing, that, really? the Iron Smoke things. So I've done two of those. And well, you did those, Ken, didn't you? Or didn't not with Tom and, Waits. We've done the tribute shows. We did the tribute shows with um, Neil Young, right? With Neil Young. Uh, okay. And I think. Did you ever do the Dylan Young. one? No. Me either. The Who knew? I mean, actually, that was another show I saw Dylan back in 2018 here, mm-hmm. and that that was you talked about never seeing again. Mm-hmm. I won't because. I know he, I've seen when he's been good and been bad. He was so on that night. I want to remember <laughs> him that way. You know, we were talking a little bit earlier about the Springsteen and, you know, the, the cultural depth that Rochester has. A couple of years ago, I got a phone call from a friend uh, who lives in Ithaca. Kenny, I'm coming up. Uh, there's a concert at the Eastman uh, that's tomorrow night. I have an extra ticket. Would you be interested to go? Gee, who's playing, right? Tony Bennett. Wow. Oh, man. Oh, you know, you, you talk about, I don't care if my daughter was going to be getting married or whatever. You put <laughs> whatever it is aside. Right. When are you going to have an opportunity to go see Tony Bennett? I saw him so many years ago in Laconia, New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. He was playing up in Laconia. And um, this is back when I was working in Concord. And I, I got to meet him. Oh, cool beans. I got taken back. I got to meet him. But I remember, I got to the end of the show, and he was working with the Ralph Sharon trio. Mm-hmm. And he, can we turn off all the mics, please? Turn everything off. Yep. And he walks to the edge of the stage and unmiked, with the band unmiked, sings the song. And it was mind-blowing. It was mind-blowing. So I back to meet him. Man, he's short. He's like five foot four. I've, I've discovered like Link Ray was Dickie Peterson for Blue Cheer. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I was I was expecting to be looking up and saying thank you, and I was looking at him eye to eye and just thank you, <laughs> you know. And, and but were you, you know, like into like the Ramones and everything in the day? Yeah, those same things. I still remember seeing the Ramones at U of R. This was just before I graduated. This was just after I graduated high school. And I'll never forget this night, not because of all the vodka and lemonade I drank. But I went to see him. This was the last night I ever saw Uncle Roger, too. Because oh, Uncle wow. Roger, we were talking, and he was saying how he liked Van Halen's new album, which was the one with Sammy Hagar. And who, you never think that, how people in your life, there's the last time I ever saw Roger. And I always remember that show, and they'll go, oh, did you see the Ramones? Yeah. Well, I remember it for a different reason. <laughs> well, I, I remember back in the day, as they say, when they were on Layton Avenue, when CMF was over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I was, I don't know, I knew Raj, like, on the peripheral, whatever, from the bands or whatever. And and we went over there. We rang the bell. Hey, Raj, it's Greg and a bunch, a couple people. Can we come up? Oh, sure. He just let you up. And yeah, like, yeah, so you know, but they were a bunch of hippies the in the day. That was CMF yeah. in the 70s. They were hippies. Yeah. Well, no, but I can remember my friend Paul had secured a copy, the only copy at that time, 72, 71, whatever it was, Emerson, Lake, and Palmer doing pictures at an exhibition. I got the album. Nobody in town has the album. Your brother and I, that night, midnight, whatever it was, drive over to Layton Street. We got, you know, we went up and we 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 had the Spark Kicks. Does that name ring a bell? Vaguely. He was one of the local folks over here on Layton Street. Uh, and here we are playing DJs and, of course, having all kinds of imbibement and whatever at, you know, <laughs> 1 o'clock in the morning. 
It was at a time when you could do that. Yeah. You know, there was no security swipes and this and that. You know, we hung out at WSAY, too. <laughs> yeah, right. Hey, man, I got an album. You want to hear it? Yeah, sure. Bring it on. On French Road. Was yeah, it, it was, you know, it's so funny because CMF <clears throat> was a community radio station when it started. And my oh, father, yeah? Act, oh. yeah, my father actually had a radio show on CMF huh. called Going Baroque. Duh. And he played, he played just as you would think, broke music. We see what he did there. And and uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was my dad, mm. the punster extraordinaire, the man, the king of bad jokes. We'll have to and get you into our punster, our circle. our stuff that we do. You see him, you see the post, you grow, yeah. you grow. Oh, I saw everything back in the day when I was in Boston. I was just, I was. I was going out at least once a week and seeing shows, so I saw the Pogues. I got really, really drunk in London with Kate from the Pogues, and um, and and they came then to rock, to Boston to play, and um, and when we had been in this, it was this underground bar. There was a group called the Skiff Scaffs. It was a skipple group, and they were playing. Love it. <laughs> and members of the Pogues were on the stage, and it was this great just sort of jam band that was going on. And and Kate and I were just standing at the bar, just pounding them. And I looked at Kate and I said, "You know, if we move, this bar will fall over." <laughs> and, and, and and you know, so there we were um, in Boston, and the Pogues were over. It was off, and I went over to say hello, and I said to Kate, "I don't know if you remember me." And she said, "Guys, she's the one." I went, what? She said, she's the one who, who who said that great line that we always use. And someone said, oh, you mean if we move, this bar will fall over? <laughs> oh, the Pogs have been saying this ever since. And they, I, I cannot right. believe it's that's like literally funny. they kicked Shane McGowan out for drinking. Yeah. I always look at that as it's like in Keith Richards' biography where he says he didn't want to hang around with these guys in his neighborhood because he did drugs. Yeah, yeah <laughs> so, right. But I almost had the best London story. I was in London in 2010. <laughs> literally, I missed Greg Towns who played a gig at the Red Bear in London literally about three days after I left. Had this overlapped, I would have nonchalantly walked in just and it's like, Rob, what are you doing here? Eh, I decided to come to your gig. <laughs> no big deal. What a good thing to do, though. How it was so it? close. It would have just been so uh, perfect. Yeah. But I had to go to Abbey Road, of course. You have yeah. to make the pilgrimage. Cross the road. Cross the zebra. Yep. As they would and say. you know there's yeah. a Beatles store down on Baker Street, too. It's like the Sherlock Holmes thing, but there's a Beatles store. Yeah, is there? Yeah. Because I went, to, I had to go to Madame Tussauds, just to, which I actually enjoyed. It had like an old funhouse feel. But if you go down Baker Street, obviously they got the Sherlock Holmes. But there's a Beatles store right there. Wow. What actually, would, what would you want to buy from a Beatles store? <laughs> would you get a T-shirt or something? Did you but, get any? Yeah. No, I didn't go in there. Actually, it was too. There was too crowded. We were going to Madame Tussauds. And uh, I didn't want to in a way because I probably, I'm thinking it's probably touristy. And what else do I need? My first, my first. Album, the first Beatles album was actually that 67 through 70 with the blue vinyl that I bought at Gold Circle. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's weird. I have a copy of that, the double. The, There's the, the red one, one and the blue one. The yeah. old one. Yeah. But I bought this blue copy, and one day I was playing it. You know, I don't, you don't touch your records forever, right? And then right. you put one on, and I think it's the last side, and it's whatever's on the label. I, I'm looking at it. I don't know. It's like the 1967-ish era. So I put it on, and there's a bunch of 60s songs on it. 
It wasn't. So they made a bit. The pressing is wrong. It was, it was wrong. And so I've got this album, and I'm trying to figure out, well, is this thing worth anything? Because it's a mistake. Used? I don't remember. I actually yeah. got a Dred Zeppelin album. Yeah. Dred Zeppelin, not Led Zeppelin. It was Huey Lewis. They pressed it wrong. Oh, I've, I've got, I've got a, a, a um, it was supposed to be Ministry. And I, I, <laughs> it was supposed to be a Ministry album. And I put it on. It was Joni Mitchell for the Roses. I'm like, well, wow. that's a little off. My, my, I always have to tell, I always tell this one John Lennon story that a friend of mine told me. I guess he met John and he had him sign an album. He didn't look at it. So he gets home. He signed it Paul McCartney. <laughs> Excellent. That's very Excellent. Cool. So that's just one of those the stories I have to always tell. It's my little mm -hmm. six degrees of John Lennon. I, I got a quick story. This, this is it's very Rochester and rock and roll, so it's, it works out. So when I was working at Chase, they decided one day they were going to take us all out. It was like back when Chase had money or whatever. I don't know. But they said, okay, we're going to, the whole department and the home equity is going to go. We're going to Frontier Field for a ball game. Woohoo! And of course, me. Can we drink? <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. Well, and, and of yeah, course, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Important yeah. questions answered. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I was like, is this company time or is this our time or how's this? So anyway, they said, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so uh, we prepped up in the before we got there, of course. And then we, when we get there, <laughs> I'm walking down through the uh, concession area there, and I see this bunch of people and. There's a table, and, and Eddie Money's sitting at this table. May he rest in peace. Yes, and bless, God bless him. And, and he's sitting at this table, and he's signing 8 by 10s for 10 bucks. I don't know what he was doing in town, but in me, in my fashion, always wanting to be in style here, I wore my orange weedy shirt with the baseball guy on it, right? Because we were at the ball game. Right. And I walked up to the table. I said, "Oh, you know, hey, Mr. Money, great. Uh, you know, I love your music, but I, honestly, I don't. Want, I don't want a picture, but I don't want. I want to say hi, you know." And he looks at me, and he. I was kind of standing off to the side. And he goes, "I love that shirt. Come here." And he signed the shirt. Better. Oh, yeah. So I got the better. I got the weedy shirt with his signature. Now, have you framed that? I hung it up. So I got to frame it. Yeah, I got to yeah, throw it in a frame. Put it under glass. Yeah. That's a that's a keeper. Okay, yeah. I got a question for everybody. Here we've been now in, I'll still use the phrase, lockdown. Um, how long? Six months? March, so we're Seven in March. Months, yeah. Whatever. We know that all of the venues have been shut down and there have been no live performances and things are just starting to come back. We also know that there's been an explosion of the technology that allows the groups to video, to record, to put it out to the masses. The Little's doing it, Andy's doing it with the band, so many other people. Have done, I know Don has done some. Right. I'm doing my weekly watch right. parties Everybody's for friends to there. help them out. But we've been unable to go to the venues and, for the most part, enjoy the shows. What have you all seen online that has knocked your socks off, that has really turned your head, and, and it has brought you to something new and something that you've really enjoyed. So you'd be honest, that's Harpy a great Hour. Question. Actually, uh, yeah. honest, Harpy Hour, not a plug for Grace or Julia. Uh, yeah, that's one of them. But really, that was in terms of finding that gem and hearing all the. I've, I could say, thank Grace and you. I know more about harps than I can lie to people, actually. <laughs> Plus, about, wow, you have to drink every episode. You really. 
went through some. Could you? I mean, really? You had to really go back rough. and go. You had to go back and go. I have to take one for the team. Rough dig. <laughs> But Love that was it. the one because it was really interesting, and I love. We've had the drum. I mean, yes, we can't find more intelligent musicians, and we have drummers. So we have a drummer show. <laughs> so we have. So we have. You know, for the the what kindergarten, the way? kindergartners <laughs> in the audience. But we had a drum show on here, and we yeah. just let these guys talk shop. You shut up and get back. When musicians start talking, like the first show with Grace, when Michaela and her start going on about yeah. and everything, they talk about harps, and it's just great seeing people talk shop and play and everything else. Yeah, you can geek on forever on your equipment. Stuff. Oh, that's for sure. Have you ever had Sandy Giannini on? No. Uh, we'll talk about that. I think she'd be a great... Well, this has been a tough year, too, also for, well, like, no, podcasts. She's, I think. she's not only a harpist, but she also plays the um, the carillon oh. over at the church downtown. Oh, oh really? Yeah. That's yeah. very cool. She just did a... She did a fringe thing this past week. I'm always open to people. We just leave like a trail of breadcrumbs outside the studio. Whoever mm-hmm. shows up, it's like, hey, you want to be on? <laughs> you know, so, but getting back to your question, and this will surprise you, I I haven't watched a lot. I, um, I work at a computer all day, mm-hmm. and so I don't want to sit at a computer to watch things. I do them basically, to be honest. Right. I have a lot of friends, obviously, in music. And I put them on, like, like Allison Moore, who I know a little bit. She does her stream every week. Her husband, Hayes Carl, does it. But, like, local, like Meg Williams, Alyssa Trahan, they do weekly shows. And I just, I do the little watch party thing because I want to help them out. My friend Natalie Gellman, who until her dog got sick, was doing weekly shows from California. And I just want to, like, bring the music and, you know, give them a little donation and help them out. Because I know how hard it is. But otherwise, I mean, I can't say anything's like... In terms of compares to live, right. I watched some readings. I watched Pandora Box's show, and you know we have virtual fringe. But I've noticed, like, hey, Greg, have you watched anything? Uh, well, I don't know. I've seen Nate Coffee do a few things that were pretty cool. Yeah, the one thing that I've been really striving for is to see and to hear something that I've never seen and that I've never heard. Yeah, right. Uh, love Nate. Love all the folks around, and I'm out there and I'm doing all that. I want to see something different. I want to see something different. One of the things that it started with the tiny desk concerts. Right. There was just there were so many wonderful, wonderful shows. Um, you know, again, I'll bring you know Michaela comes yeah. up and all of a sudden she's playing harp with what's his name from the Grateful Dead. Yeah, uh, actually, there's a she's on the video. One of my friends it? sent me a thing said Bob Weir video right, for right, whatever right. price, and she's on. And then I was watching Down by the River from Sir. It's like, wait a second, I know her. <laughs> yeah, the, and there was a YouTube video that she was yeah. part yep. of as well. And then yeah. I get like wow. I get very defensive because I see some comment. Wow, who's that chick? Like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> one of the things that has surprised me is that. Of all people, Robert Fripp, who is probably one of the most reserved, eclectic, unknown. Right. No? Okay, wait yeah, keep going. Okay. Comes out now, he's been doing a weekly series with his wife, uh, uh, Toya Wilcox, and they're doing Sunday breakfast, lunch, out of their home in London, in England, wherever they are. And then they're also doing questions that their fans send and well and it's charming this whole series that they're doing i am enjoying it more than if i were to be watching a concert you know you know what it is i'll tell you i have to tell you thank you so much now i'm going to find this i saw fripp at the paradise in boston (laughs) when he was doing his fripper tonic dance music and 
I was dancing my ass off in the front. I mean, we were right down there. We were just dancing and watching him. It's mesmerizing. And he finishes the end of the song. And he says, you know, he said, dancing is amazing. You have to, you have to learn to dance, not to the music, but through the music. Right. And he looks at me and he tips his hat. And he goes back. It was like this thing. She's doing that right. And it was so great. And that's when I knew he he might seem reserved, but you know, you watch him in the King Crimson concerts. That guy's that guy's insane. It was Well I've, I've so developed a little yeah. he's not he's yeah, not a I friend, but Absolutely. I'll Thank send you. you the link. It's in terms you. of acquaintance wise, because I've seen him he recognizes me now Tony Levin. You, of course. And I've seen like I saw him last time at Love and Cup. He's like, Hey Rob, how you doing? And just to meet him and talk to his, his stories and everything. And I got to tell him my famous Peter Gabriel story. Right. And he laughed his head off about it and everything. All right. For those of you are uninitiated. This is my, my, friends, is... my friend Sammy used to do he used to do security at Darien Lake and at the War Memorial. So when Peter Gabriel came, if you, know what, if you ever want to spot Peter, take a look around the city if he's in here. Because he likes to go bike riding, right? So he goes bike riding. Sammy had to run with him being security so sammy's dying running saying you know job i'm not gonna stop goes running around people you know following peter gabriel they get back to the war memorial there's a garage sam's over puffing and dying he sees peter gabriel cracking up and he just says what what he goes out of this whole tour you're the first one who's made it the whole way <laughs> i told tony levin then he's like it's a great story it's a great that's story funny. that's funny yeah. levin but, is great uh peter gabriel i saw him at um at the worcester centrum was it and um i was in the fourth row it was the so tour and um and so i was right there up front and he sat down on the edge of the stage and started and said something about you know the song meant a lot to him and he began in your eyes and i was there in the fourth row and he got it was this cosmic eye contact and he just looked straight at me and he sang the entire first verse to me wow. now at this point Everybody in front of me is now turning around saying, who is she? <laughs> who is that girl? Yeah, where is, what nothing. happens like, to me? I yeah. don't know the man, but he sat there and serenaded me, and it was like the best ever. And then Who's that lady? he decides to do the crowd surfing thing. Now, Brett Milano, who was a, a rock critic for the Boston Globe, I think it was, and this like six foot something was standing directly in front of me. And then we had another tall guy directly behind me, and he's going to crowd surf, and I hear, gently, hand over hand, and I realize Peter Gabriel is coming straight at me. <laughs> and I'm really short. Could you imagine dropping him? <laughs> well, yes, and the funny thing is, that's immediately what I thought, oh my God, what if I drop him? Didn't mean to drop him, says tearful fan in the newspaper <laughs> the next day. You know, and, and, and so I was dying, and he came right over my head, and I did not drop him, Funny. as you know, and because you would have heard about it if I had. And I, I did the hand over hand, and so I am probably one of the only people who can say, I touched. Peter I can see you hands. haven't washed those hands <laughs> now. It was for, awesome. I yeah, what happened to me? What it, my biggest claim to fame, Greg Prevost hit me in the face with a beach ball. Or just, <laughs> yeah, there you go. He, just, he claims he didn't do it on purpose. That's what they all say. But, yeah, <laughs> that's funny. But now in terms of how did you, you said you you're eventually gravitate to classical. How was that journey, that path to, on Damascus? To it, was, it was forced on me. 
it was forced on me. It's really, it's actually quite natural. Um, when I was working at WKXL, um, I, I needed money. It wasn't paid well. Radio doesn't pay well. Let's let's get that on the Just table that right, right now. I've known radio right. right. okay. yes. I, I know you you think about how much Howard makes and maybe some of these other people. Most one, of us don't. One, do a, that. one in a million. One yeah. in a million. Most of us don't do that. So I needed more money. So I picked up the Sunday morning jazz show, and um, and that's how I really learned to start programming mm -hmm. and, and learning about jazz. And then the big crunch came. And um, in, in a, a big fall in New Hampshire recession, and uh, many banks closed and several radio stations went out of business. And sadly for me, both my bank went under and my radio station Jeez. eliminated my job all uh. at once. So at that time, the jazz, oh, the, the evening jazz announcer position was open at New Hampshire Public Radio. And I did jazz, so I applied and I got a job. So now I'm doing jazz because it's huh. fine. And then they brought in some consultant, which is to me like radio consultants are the bane of the universe. And right. the consultant <laughs> said, you know, you're doing this wrong. You need to be an all talk station and they um, and, and, and classical. Like you, you, you should be talking classical. And so they made me become a classical host wow. because I was too popular. And it was, they felt easier to teach me how to do classical. I did like one jazz show on Fridays. But other than that, I was... Had doing, you had any prior life experience or exposure to classical? Oh, my so. grandfather was one of the founding members of the Rochester Philharmonic there Orchestra. You know. you and go. then my dad had that show going Baroque. So wow. I had been surrounded by classical music as a kid. Interesting. And in um, a glove. And, and it was just, you know, not a problem, except I didn't. I had to learn a lot about repertoire, and no one told me how to program. I made it all up. I made it all up. I programmed my classical music, and I still do, the same way I program rock and jazz, with an ebb and a flow, mm -hmm. with um, trying to match the way one ends to the way that one begins. Logical ins and outs. Yeah, ins sure. and outs, and, and, and I just made it up as I went along, and then when they eliminated classical entirely, all music and went solid talk because, you know, consultants. Mm. Um, right at that time, this opening came up in my hometown of Rochester, New York, at this little station called WXXI, which my parents had always been big supporters of, both television and radio. And it was like, Kismet. I'm going home. <laughs> and people said, you haven't got the job yet. I said, no, that's not true. I know. <laughs> I'm going home. And I did. Uh, my marriage had just fallen apart horribly, and he'd left and gone to California on a job. I was there in New Hampshire with two little girls, a, a baby, you know, a one-year-old and a, a three-year-old. And I was like, I'm packing up the house, and we're going to, Boston. We're going to Rochester, New York, and here I am. This, I, was, wow. this was after the Raida days? This was because WXXI originally, when it first yeah. was born... It was right. Twenty three years ago. Yeah, it might have been might have been So I remember your show Soundstage. Yeah. A lot because I think everybody you had on was a friend of mine. <laughs> well on yeah, on stage was it was <laughs> on stage, um, yeah. on stage. Yeah, it was um I don't research these podcasts, you know. What do we need? Money? Oh well, lots of money. We yeah. And you know what? Until we open up the building because again, lockdown. Right. Yep. And um and I mean my backstage pass show is it's 
it was ironic because backstage pass mm. was fully booked to the end of the year. I was this happens sometimes with my show where I it just rolls yeah. and it rolls amazingly and we were um, booked all the way through the end of the year with backstage passes yeah. and you know I. I'm trying to figure out if there's a way that we can do a backstage pass in a virtual way where, you know, I'm, in one I place I have no playing. idea what technology yeah. and I've seen. But, like, I'd for me, for XXI, I'd too, I always just call the Channel 21, but I was always an electric company person more than Sesame oh, Street. Yeah, always. Yeah. With Spider-Man. Hey, Morgan Freeman. And Morgan Freeman is the count. <laughs> I didn't know that. But then also that obviously Doctor Who, which I was a huge, huge fan, as we all know. Yeah, our, and our Monty Python every Sunday night. Monty Python. Right. I remember going to see one of the Monty Python movies at the Little Theater with my dad and my stepmom um, as a fundraiser for WXXI. I saw it. I saw Jabberwocky at St. John Fisher College. I was not a student yet, but I guess they had it there. I remember going seeing it there. But I remember seeing I Monty Python, the Holy Grail. I don't know where I saw it, but when the Lancelot scene came on. Think people fell out of their seats. Oh, that <laughs> when was... he does the crazy charge. I, I I love that movie. I love that movie. I met so John much. Cleese came to town. You know when we could still have events for Holy Grail, and I well, met him. He was here what last year? They just a year or two. Year one two, of those like early, early January, reason? February. Yeah, because yeah, he, he said he just he was mm-hmm. going to turn eighty, so it must have been last year. Did you go to see that? The John yes. John Cleese was here. We missed it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that we did. Well, we just watched. No, the Princess Bride. This was a fundraiser for the um, Wisconsin Democrats. Yeah, so they, they got together, and they and they all got and they did a live read. But of course, Peter Cook is no longer with us, so they got Eric Idle wow. to play. It was great, Melich. Wow. Yeah, I saw that. I actually went to the theaters to see it again when they had the anniversary. Which is cool. But what do you think, in terms of, this is a question Ken and I have talked about. We had Victoria Romler on here. Two weeks yeah. ago, three weeks Yeah, ago. I love, like, in terms of, again, one of the other hidden gems in Rochester's the Penfield Symphony Orchestra. And I would take my dad to all the shows. Oh, we love the Penfield And I love it, and I think people, but the thing, in terms of, how do you feel about, in terms of attracting younger crowds to some of these? And the reason I say that is... Go there. It's a mix, I think. But like in terms of Penfield, a lot of older audience. In terms of the RPO, like the Christmas shows, but there has to be. I'm sure you see the young musicians at the Eastman. There has to be interesting. It's a long. Year. You know what? They, they were asking the same question 150 years ago. Yeah. <clears throat> this has been. Uh, it's always the same question in classical music. You're nodding, Ken. You know this is true. <clears throat> and 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 I think it's also like jazz. I think that you come to it. There comes a That's point where did. you don't want to hear the noise. You don't want to hear noise. Now you want something else. Mm. For me, it was the exposure to it at such an early age. Mm. <clears throat> I was five and six and four years old, and my mom, my family is musical. My grandfather's a player. Uh, my uncle was a composer and a player. What does your grandfather play? Accordion. He is a fascinating really? man. Uh, we could actually do an expose on this guy that he is so fascinating. Really? And, I've got yeah. the, and I have all of the um, the material and the documentation and so on. He played every theater organ in the Rochester area for the silent films back in the day. You know, I, I bet you, I wonder, did he play the Regents Theater? Oh, I'm sure he did. Because my grandfather was the music director at the Regents Theater. They must have known one. They had saw to Bob Seeger at the Regents Theater. They, they, <laughs> his name was Lou Pericola. I mean, not that it would mean anything, I'm sure. It, uh, all the sources are gone The now. sources are gone, and that's the thing. That, that is one of the pieces that's been on my mind. But at any rate, at any rate, you know, coming from this musical family, 
one of the first things my father ever did when I was still a very young child and my sister was just born was to build a Heath kit, not even a receiver, a Heath kit amplifier and a big speaker and a turntable right. so that they could play the 78s and then the 33s were just coming out. And I would sit there on a little rocking chair with my sister listening to Tchaikovsky and to Beethoven and to Schumann and to Handel and the Messiah. And I, you know, at five and six years old, I'm conducting the Hallelujah Chorus. <laughs> so it's a really early age that it that I was introduced to classical music that never left. And, and, and back in the day, again, there's that phrase. Yeah. But uh, very long ago, when, when Stromberg Carlson, the radio station, etc., yeah, yeah, yeah. they actually had <clears throat> books um, of, of a, a syllabus that all the schools had, and the RPO would play on the air, and they would study the syllabus based on what the RPO was doing, and it was deeply tied in. But in this day and age, music of any ilk and art classes of any ilk are the first yeah, to hit the floor. Yeah. Like for me, in terms of or specials, in terms of classic too, Lives of the Great Composers. That book drew me in really quick. That's a Just great drew, book. That's, that's I tell everybody, and, and also you learn the whole idea that they start, they go away from the theme, then they bring it back. You learn the structure of it as well. Right. And that's it, where and, I got into it. And the problem is that we're not getting. Good musical education right. in yeah. the school. Yeah, I want to know to my musical his... education. I don't think we even had when we had one nun who came in, played a couple things on a guitar, and that was it. We had art class, but it would go away. It was in the basement, but all we'd have it once a month. We'd do two things with fabric crayons, and it would go away. I, I so we never we had one. We did a thing. We actually went to the Eastman. I don't know when I, well, I yes. was. Yes, I was going to say we we were picked up by the buses. Uh-huh. Yeah, this is when Howard Hansen was the director at hey, Eastman hey, School. And you're were, sitting there I, and you're getting exposed to this stuff, and you right you get it. And know? they're Sit still there. doing it. I, I, I do uh, they? They, they still do it. Well, not recently, but they still are right. doing it. I was actually when our our daughters were in Churchville Twilight. Our daughter was at at um in elementary school. I was. I took a day off work so I could be one of the mom monitors yeah, absolutely. and ride the bus. Yeah, the and they kids. would have. If I would wow. take my dad, they would have the rehearsals like for the four hours in the morning. Mm-hmm. Go to and I take my dad down there. But I, they took us once to the Philharmonic, or the Eastman, or something. For and it's way long ago. I don't really but, remember. But you know, they, they just it became something that was auxiliary and not needed. And you know, oh, ancillary, I think is the word. That's why really I'm a big, I'm a big supporter and, of Girls Rock Rochester too. Even like yeah. I up my donations this year because good, good. you yeah. know they, they started, they did. I think they did. Amanda told me they were doing an LGBT thing for kids in the summer. But, know, things, but, so I was going to add more. This is like my big, um, one of my big rants is this removal of music because sometimes that's the one thing that will keep the kid. Right. I have actually have a friend. Um, that I worked with for a time at WXXI, and she was in the band in the city school. And the band director then would move, He eventually he moved to uh, Western Rondequoit, and he was the band director for our two daughters, Steve Beamish, wonderful man, right. oboe player, super great. And, um, and, and she, band was at the end of the day, and she said to me, it was the only reason why I never went home, why I stayed in school. There was actually a friend of mine, a friend of mine so told me he hated school, yeah. but the only thing that spoke to him was the band stuff, and he drummed, and, 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 and he classes. stayed. Yeah. Right, exactly, ditto for art classes. I, I think they're missing the boat with all that, because if you look into it, music, 
and art, it, it's a different level. You know what I mean? It's like you, you're thinking differently, you're emoting differently, you're feeling things, you're looking at aesthetics, you're looking at, you know what I mean? It's more abstract. And I think it keeps kids from just going home watching TV or, or, or well, it's the like nonsense. Theater. It's like I'm very involved. involved. I'm very involved with right. theater. And like my friends, with my friend Mario was a school without walls and everything right. in terms of seeing these kids from school without walls and everything doing theater and being involved in all this and Shakespeare and everything. It's like an outlet for that type of thing. And I think people need that type of thing. Obviously. Yeah, I went to Greece, Arcadia. And when, when I went to Greece, it was one of the top school districts in the country. And we had a phenomenal course. Ralph Zucchino was our world director. We had a phenomenal band. We had an orchestra that was really good, a terrific theater department. Terry Brennan was the, uh, was the teacher for theater. And we did all of this. And it was great. And, and when we were looking, my husband and I were looking, or we were living out church, in, in Churchill, Chile, for a, a, where to buy a house, we started by looking at all the school districts that had strings programs. Be, not because our kids were going to play string instruments, but because if a school was going to invest in that, then they were probably investing in other things as right. well, That's other true. good things. And and we ended up, we ended up for many reasons in West Rondequoit, and it, it was wonderful, terrific art classes, the orchestra, the wind ensemble was phenomenal. Casey Springstead mm -hmm. runs the wind ensemble. Mm -hmm. You know, we had, we got really lucky, and our girls went through the whole route. They did the Rochester Philharmonic Youth Orchestra. Right. You know, they did all county. They, one of them played on From the Top, which was really oh, great. Yeah. And and I look at that, and I see where my now young women are and how they think and what this gave them and I think we're just missing I'm with you we're missing the boat here. and also a thing Mike Murray and I have talked about this a lot we've talked about look at the society just go online after this and you'll get depressed people arguing about this yes. taking sides everybody hates everybody there's no civil discussion Shut which, up. which is why which is why which is why i post the funny stuff because why bother right you know yeah. right. but the thing is mike murray and i were talking about this like we've known people for decades their politics might be far apart as possible you get down to a show you're all pals you're all acting right. you don't care it brings you together that's right and, and when you play in a band or, or an orchestra you learn to work together as mm -hmm. a group, you learn what that means to be an ensemble, to see in a chorus, to be one. Do um, so I have my one? I have my shirt that looks exactly like a MAGA shirt, but it says, make polka great again. <laughs> and I, like, where, I would see people like staring at me. <laughs> and then they go, oh, <laughs> they come up to me. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, that's Rob, but nobody, li Rob living on the edge. But nobody ever, like nobody's, I've never seen anything but positive vibes from shows I go to. And I've actually said, I made a lot. How did I make a lot of friends? Because all we do is we'd end up, at every show, wait a second, you're at this show. <laughs> yeah, sure. Or you become like a little community, especially like with the local music scene. Yeah. I miss that. And I have musicians who know me, I don't know them. <laughs> Try dancing the polka, it's not and, easy. And I, when we go way back into the question about what have you seen, right. it's the thing I miss is, is I don't like having that wall. Because there's always that fourth wall, you know, the wall of the computer. The I wall. get it. Yeah, and, I get it. And yeah, I'm going to take my dog out to poop, and they're playing, <laughs> and I'm going. <laughs> going. But the, only, the one positive I'll say, like my friend Natalie Gellman, she's in California, and she answers the comments right away. You feel a little 
just a little bit of almost like a friend there in some ways during, especially during really uncertain times in March and April when you mm. couldn't do anything. And you'd have to like, if you were going to go to the store, like got my mask, got my spray, my hand running and get out of there. Yeah. And you would have like a friend you would talk to when you sort of, you know, keep up. But otherwise, yes, there is that isolation. And my introvert side loves it, but my social butterfly side is going, come on, get the vaccine. Well, you know what? That's <laughs> what I was just going to say. The, the whole the isolation thing I'm I'm really concerned, kind of like paranoidish about you know a little. It's it's getting a little black mirror. Yeah. Everything everything is you know oh well hey let's we can just eliminate the office entirely. Let's just have this happened a lot with you my, know they actually mean, went back to nine eleven. How, how's because... that going to help? You know, you're, you're going to lose a lot of the experience. Well, what happened, one of my friends said, my friend Sean, he was. He said the one thing about some offices, they did this during 9-11, so they're aware. But what I'm seeing from my line of work, a lot of places are closing because what they're saying, we're just going to uh, you know, lay off people, quote, unquote, lay off, and other people can work from home. So that's the thing I'm seeing, yeah, unfortunately. We're doing a hybrid at, at WXXI. So everybody, the announcers, everybody are, are going in. But we go in for short days. So I'm doing my checking in of, of music and that sort of thing at home. And um, and then I go in through my radio show. Now, my husband is a press officer now. He was the news director at XXI. And he's now a, a communications officer for the University of Rochester. And he's gone to work, I think, once. And that was on um, mm-hmm. opening day. This season, You know, he does he works from home. And, I th- you know... I I I love what I'm doing because I don't have that lost time. And I remember like sending you a message yeah. with this started going how she was. I was very interested. We were closed down for months, and Mike Murray with a whole lot of shaking. Obviously, Steve Litvak with his show about how is this going. You were saying you were home, or like he's afraid, like so yeah. I got this. And it's and it's and so I love it because I, I I get a sense of time of Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and I do get to see people in the building. And slowly, people are coming back. And working at WXXI, the membership department is, is for the most part, back and, and cooking away. And um, the PR folks and the arts. So, I mean, people are slowly flowing in. I don't know what things are going to look like. I, I, I will always say, though, too, I always have my first, my paperboy money. I, vol- I donated to XXI. I got my Doctor Who mug where you put the coffee in and the TARDIS finishes. Yes. And every year, and my dad, that was the thing when my dad would go to the JCC and he had his last year of dementia. I've chronicled this book getting bashed over the head with plates, his, you know, unfortunate episodes. But you would turn on your show and he would just be wrapped in it and just I'm peaceful so and he loved that. it. I'm so, uh, that makes me happy. And I would tell him, be good, and I'll have her announce your birthday. And oh, you won't get an ice cream. <laughs> okay, so this is the weird thing about radio. The weird thing about radio is you don't know who's listening, and you don't know what the impact is. So when I get this message um, from from uh, the guy, Chad, from KXL, I didn't realize at the time that I would have this huge impact on his life. Years later, he's still listening to Alternative yeah, people Rock. Do, he though. gave me a couple of links of really great stuff to listen to. I didn't know that. And, and you know, there have been these moments. Um, I, when I was doing jazz mm-hmm. and, um, and in New Hampshire, and I had 
I don't want to say it was. I don't think it's Herbie Mann. Who's the jazz flute player? Is that Herbie Mann? Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I had this Herbie Mann version of Amazing Grace, and I I played this, and um, and then I followed it up with something, and my phone rang, the listener line rang, and I picked it up, and it was this listener saying, "So, I was just at Concord Hospital, and I was with my mother, and she died, and I got in the car." And I heard you play this Amazing Grace by Herbie Mann, and I want to play it at her funeral. How do I get it? And um, I I broke a rule. I actually taped it for her, which you're not supposed to do, but I knew the record was out of print. She was not going to be able to get this, you know. Um, But of all the things to be told, you know, this, this solemn moment of I just played it because it was beautiful. Mm -hmm. It never occurred to me. But at that moment in time, it was the one thing that someone had to hear. And you would see, you would be, like, I would take them to the Penfield Christmas, I would take them to the RPO Christmas concert, the Penfield Christmas concert, and, like, at the Penfield one, you do the sing-along, and yeah. he always go into the JCC, he loved the Hanukkah suite especially, but he would sit, and he would be my dad again for that while. He would, you see him singing along and happy and everything, and it wouldn't be the person, you know, could be... You know, the Jekyll and Hyde, especially, you know how dementia is and how yeah. progressive. But he would be my, and it would be these moments, like with him, he'd be my dad again. And going to the RPO and everything. So that was, was like, and that's what music does to people and everything. That was always really good. And the thing, too, when I would hear things, like I'd hear Fantasia on Dreamstreams, and they'd go, you know, Ray Fon Williams. And he wouldn't know who the hell it was. But but I'd be, like, pulling over in my car sometimes, going on my phone. I have to remember this artist so I can go get him. I find some great records when you go, go trolling, you know, to Goodwills and stuff. I found, I have a Zither album. Excellent. I have uh what's else, what else do I have? Oh, this goofy Hawaiian one, which is funny because it's got a blonde on the cover, you know, like those old 60s, <laughs> like, you know, those suggestive, you know. And she, you're obviously not Hawaiian. <laughs> That but, was hugely popular back yeah, then. You know, the, right. John Ho. Oh, Tiny the, Bubbles. John Ho and the um, Tiny Bubbles. Quiet Village. Um, by, oh, what was his name? No, his name just flew out of my head. Um, but that whole Exotica. Yeah. The Hawaiian and, Exotica. and you find weird stuff that nobody... I, I have this... Ten, it's like a 10-inch Martin thing. Denny. Excuse me. Okay. Martin Denny. Oh, wow. The guy, way back. But I found this... Uh, I think it's a 7-inch or 10-inch, whatever... But it's like, like Swiss. It's Swiss music. It's that clarinet, two beat oompa thing. Right, 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 right. And the cover, they're all dressed in the regalia, and it's like, and it's, and it's like, and somebody got rid of this thing, and I put it on, and it's just, you know, and it's just like. All I can think of is like I'm just gonna tie somebody in a chair and make them listen to this over and over. I got into world. I've gotten into world music a lot during the shutdown. But then I remember like one of my favorites. I put up and I'm thinking how political things are. I put up Peter Tosh. I love Peter Tosh's Mama Africa. He's got a song called Maga Dog, and I'm thinking nobody say this is Maga. It's the song of a you know. But I, I got into really world music, and that's how music's like a gateway, a good gateway drug. Yeah. In every way, but but Julius, thanks for being on for this thing. And oh, enjoying thanks stuff. for asking. And we'll me. do it again if you clowns want to come in, Julia. Certainly. <laughs> you want to do this again? Yeah. Okay. yeah. Depending, is- I mean, I'm always saying, I will hope for the best. You never know. Hopefully, things are going to go better and everything else. I look forward else. to that day. I want to. Yeah, I want to get back to that place where there isn't that fourth wall. <sighs> Even like yeah, that, the idea. Too. Remember, remember the idea though. Like if you're going to go to the store or a restaurant or everything where. 
I'm going to go out and going to make my res- go to our good old Avino, which I've gotten takeout from. Right? Yeah, right. So you go, oh, I'm going to go say hi to Jeannie, you know, go out. Now it's like, well, I got to get my mask on. I got to go get, you know, take out. It looks like they're operating in a doctor's office. Oh, by the way, he'll have the chicken. I'll bring the chicken out. And there are half as many tables available. Half as many tables. Eat, so and it's going to get cold. And then obviously live X. And we don't even want to go this way because I'm just hoping. It's all you can do is hope for the best, do what you can. You know, for, <clears throat> excuse me, for 35 years of my career, being in the food service restaurant sales industry, uh, I, I, can't even fathom how these folks today are even keeping their doors open like they are. No, so, and that's what I call we don't understand. Tip of the it's, it's, it's numbers to us. Yes, we live yes, but it's the human cost. It's the human cost of people's lives, livelihoods. And who nobody could have predicted we were the right. first, this year. We were the first. We jumped on that to go movement like nobody's business. We, you did, yes, with dinners at home and so oh, on. Yeah. Oh yeah, you were going crazy. You were going yeah, all over the place. Yeah, and you all saw it. I know absolutely because I my, I call it Corona Carryout, yep. and I had a whole series, <laughs> and we would do two a week, usually one down price, one up price, and we did this Corona Carryout. And it was the best, and we tipped really hard. Oh, I always... We always tip well, but we especially tipped well yeah. because these people, you know, were were giving us a sense of normalcy. Yeah, and, and we... And, and our my, my now my son-in-law is um is the the kitchen manager of the Owl House and so one I'm of my favorite places one of my favorite places mm-hmm. I use it as an example the one time my friend Marissa and I went there we would have our like monthly dates at Owl House so we go there and it was a February and I just remember I used this example we went there we come out it's one of those Rochester days where the weather so we can't find our cars so I crawl up to Easton Alexander, I park, I go to the, the little theater to go see Ben Mori, Katie, Katie Mori, and play. And I'm just thinking, the reason I brought that thing up was that I had the freedom to do this. Yes. Whereas now they'd be canceled, or you couldn't have it. But I started with the Vino. The only funny one I had was Simply Crepes. So shout out to them, they were very good. But in shown place, trying to find a place, you had a call. Trying to drive around till they came out with it because there's so many people yeah, out right. there was, was really then I'm waving and I'm going hey I could be just some guy in a white car stealing my food <laughs> because <laughs> yeah, I said right, I'm yeah. in a white car out <laughs> here hey are you Rob yes I am and I, but I'm with you Ken I mean these these folks um, and they got creative and they got help from the state I have to say mm-hmm. when the state waved the um, this is a, this is a passion. Right. Well, it is, and it, I think that there was so much confusion within the industry with the rules changing so quickly, yeah. and, and, and I felt so bad for these folks that they would become complicit with everything. They would become, you know, they would bring their businesses in line with all the rules, and then everything would change. You would have like the thing that they joke about, but like with the wing thing, where yeah. you know some places didn't have. They didn't have kitchens. They didn't have that or you know, whatever. And quite frankly, I learned something new because you know the governor had come out and said that no, no, no. In the stipulations that they signed for their liquor license, every place in the entire New York State has got to serve food. I mean, we've been in enough bars, right? That we know that. Believe me, I worked to eat, right? Now I'm thinking to myself. This is not No, believe me, one of the funny things was at Monty's Corner. Oh, wait, what I was going to say was that, yeah, when you walk in, you see Slim Jims and... Chips. Eggs and chips that are on, you know, is that the food that he's talking about? No, Monty's Corner, we would get constant, especially during the World Cup, we'd get droves of people. But they would call us saying, do we serve food? And I used to say, no, we serve people. (laughs) 
<laughs> but I, you know, we would point out, like, we thought about maybe doing a partnership with some of the the street carts out there. But we would just say, you know, you were allowed to bring food in. We never complained. But no, we don't have a kitchen. We don't serve food. <laughs> to serve man. Well, you know what? Any of these places that are now, like Julia said, are having to serve to half of their capacity with all of the six foot seating and so on. You know, you, I've. I know enough of the business models of the restaurant industry that it's just nuts. And I did. It's like last time I was out at Love and Cup, they, I think it, what I ordered takeout, it came to nine bucks. I just gave them a 20 and I said, right. just keep it, keep it. Yeah. I mean, you know? turnover is how they make the money. If you can turn over, turn over, keep tables. the place packed. Well, they, yeah. and you can't now. Right. Well, there, there are a lot of places, Avino is one, that do, do they, they do, do 10 out, have, the 10 out, they, and everything else. They have a strict time allotment on your table. And part of that is to keep things safe, right. but part of that is also because that's the way you can guarantee your right. take, your turnover. Yeah. No more, but no more three hour dinners. We do what we can, but the thing I always shout it to Jeanine because I've known her since I think twenty. 2005, and I took my dad there every year for his birthday dinner, so he passed away in January. His birthday's in May, so I figured, heck, I'm getting takeout anyways from Avino. So what does Janine do? She knows it's my dad's birthday. She sticks a dessert with candles and happy birthday to my dad in there. <laughs> and it really got me, but, you know, we do what we can. Try to, you know, and understand if you're working too, some people aren't. You try to help do what you can. But, you know, on that, you know, thanks a lot for being here. And we're going to, in the vein of Classical Now, where can we find your show and everything? We have to do plugs. uh, Classical 91.5. So it's uh, 91.5 on the dial. Or you can go to classical91.5.org and stream it. And I I go on noon and I leave at 3. (laughs) And Brenda is in from 6 until 10. And it's performance today for a couple hours, and then Mona steps in at three o'clock in the afternoon. She's there till. And 7. then XXI obviously is everything we watch. We you know. Yeah, and I've been going on your face, and also the RPO was having those shows at six on Sundays. But yeah. I've been going on, and we had like Grace's. We'll see about if there's more harpy or but Grace is in Denver right now. So. Well, and you know what? This in August we had a five-part series of the concerts from the Society yep. for Chamber Music in Rochester, yep. uh, which uh, co-artistic directors Juliana Athade and Eric Bear, And um, a tip of the hat to Eric Bear, who played our daughter's wedding. There you go. Um, he, he, he solo oboe to bring her on and, and play That's her awesome. off. And, um, but uh, we just did that, and uh, we're doing our best to really connect with, and Harpy Hour is another example, to, to connect with and our local community. Sure, yeah. Yeah. That's the thing, and it's really, and thanks for that, too. It's been, it's like a lifeline. Music has been my lifeline during this whole thing, during the crazy times I've had the last five years, during this year and everything. You know, and even my dog likes it. My dog just sits (laughs) there and waits. I think it's the one thing that that also holds this whole group of fools together in this room i mean a lot of times a lot of times like you were saying like not not going home and after working on the computer all day and like after a lot of gigs especially rock gigs i drive home with the classical stuff on because i don't want to hear any more jangly crap now and it's funny that you should say that because it's the other way around for me i am playing so much classical music and when i go home i'm listening to new classical cds and i'm I'm categorizing and I'm working with classical, so I am, I am so inundated with classical that I'm listening to R U R and B E R in my car. <laughs> and by the way, the other day in one of the great all-time uh, album-oriented rock moments, 
I turned on the radio when as I was going to work. I turned on the radio, and Scott Reagan on Open Tunies played New York Serenade by Bruce Springsteen. Yes. Oh, and it's so long. And that's like the thing is, Ken and I have said too, what would we, we have done during a normal summer? We run into each other. Oh, hey, man, how you doing? Where are you going next? Where you and going? we'd be Where out like five days next? a week making yeah. the town, going, going everywhere. I miss that. Yeah. And I miss that. Killing me. You know, and every now and then I'd have to back up, especially with my dad. I wasn't the same as I used to be. But that was like in terms of talk about, and I'd make my pilgrimage to Marge's every year. We'd go see each other at the little, where are you going now? I'm going to the spirit room. Where are you going to go now? (laughs) Even where our friends, for example, this evening from 5 to 7 at the little cafe will be the Janganers. little plug for the cafe and for (laughs) the Janganers. (laughs) You know, and it's to see some of my friends that are going to be there, too, that I haven't seen, that we almost have to go through a reintroduction. We almost have to go through a Well, re- I see Brian Williams shopping at Wegmans at night all the time. To get through. <laughs> yeah. You know, that it's been yeah. six, seven months, you know, seeing Scott. I haven't seen Scott. You know, you go from the ridiculous where you're, you know, joking and having a wine and having a coffee three nights, four nights a week to now. Yeah. First time I saw Danny Deutsch again yeah. at Apple. And the thing was, I would see some friends. We'd go, no, don't hug me. Get away from me. Yeah, you know, how are we going to do it? Are I'm, we going to tap elbows? Are we going to bump fists? I do plague hug. You know, they learned there was like a... No, it's called the plague hug. It was plague back hug. when there was the plague where you do like a hug or you blow a kiss from this far. Oh, okay. it's a real hard. thing. I miss hugging. Yeah. I miss... I, it was it was a, a real big deal um, to hug my, my daughter when on her wedding day that was wow. it, it was it was really and you think important. i don't want to get into it but i do know like one of my friend's uncles passed away they couldn't even really have a funeral yeah, yeah. and all that no. stuff yeah, no, stuff like that and that's yeah, all sad, you know. we lost a few good musician friends and i felt bad yeah. i couldn't go right yeah we lost some family members yeah. and some close family friends and it was just it's unacceptable and it's, and it's been brutal and yeah. and and that but it let's just muddle through, okay? Yeah. That's yeah. all. We can just muddle it'll through. It'll get better. We still have each yeah. other, and we have our music. And, we, and have, we have, you know, all. It does bring us. I think that's how we all are connected. Yeah. Well, yeah. us with Doctor Who, too, obviously. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I would like to point out that on the upside, I'd like to congratulate the Rochester Red Wings for their undefeated season. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> I was making jokes about that all year. Well, there, there's no like, like for like some teams in baseball. Well, it's June and the Mets haven't lost yet. <laughs> They're not going to lose sixty games this year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I'm a Red Sox fan, and we're going to lose. 60 well, they, games this year. yeah, that's I. They are uh, worst game, worst team in baseball. It's amazing how. They've fallen, but you know what we do. But we're gonna end. I think you would appreciate this. If you've never heard of Leo. She's we had her on. She's a pipa player, and it's a ancient Chinese instrument. Mm-hmm. And she gets those fingers going, and she's really talented. And well, in times when we can go see things out, go see her. But this this is I'm gonna play her song from her new CD, O's Pippa Nomad, which you can get from her. Just send her a thing on PayPal. She'll send it to you and really soon she'll even sign it and 
Yeah, she's year. around. She's available. She's, yeah. Oh, I talk to her all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she actually she's played, played it a little, little recently. Week. But I'm going to play a song now. I want everybody to know this. I'm playing this song because we're in Rochester. It's getting in autumn. It's going to start coming down. This does not have political connotations, which I would never have to say. For it's called Snowflakes. <laughs> so, but it's Rochester. You know the snow's coming, bum, bum, bum. and. I'm sure it's all about the snow falling and everything else. So I'm sure it is, Rob. <laughs> so, but you know, these days somebody's gonna call and complain and say, "Hey, what are you doing?" <laughs> so, but thanks a lot, Julia. Thanks all you. Come back. See you soon. Bye-bye. Yeah, bye bye. Bye.